It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host. The book Truth Doesn't Have a Side, My Alarming Discovery About the Danger of Contact Sports. A very special guest, Dr. Bennett Amalu, joins us. And he discovered, really, CTE. He's going to tell us all about it. It has to do with concussions and sports. And welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you so do you ever feel like you want to hit your head against the wall every time someone brings this subject up or it's really on your heart to tell and warn everybody about the power of concussions and what it can do to a, a human life well um as you may know uh, i'm a physician and as a physician and as a christian uh, i've gotten used to doing what i do this is for the good of all of us. Yes. Um, so I, I don't see it as a duty. Rather, I see it as doing what I can do uh, one person at a time to to change the plight of all of us. Um, so um, I, I, I embrace it and I recognize it for what it was because my discovery of CTE was by serendipity. Hmm. Absolutely. I want you to tell your story. We know that Will Smith played you in the movie, of course, and this really was in the news all the time because uh, our whole American society thrives on head concussions, let's just say, <laughs> you know, on, on football and, and hockey and even baseball gets into it. You know, they have a good fight on the field and things like that. And so, um, you know, I guess the primal part of, of human beings, do we not feel like two rams that hit each other? Then that might be normal for an animal, but for a human... Why do, why do we get like that? Well, what happens is, as a society, um, we have a tendency to conform to certain expectations. Um, and it's proven by the central limit theorem that, as human beings, in every measurable human in- index, we have a tendency to homogenize our thought hmm. and to cluster towards a certain expectation. So the sports industry has done a wonderful job really over the decades to embed the Ameri- uh, to embed Americans yes. uh, in a certain cast of the mind to make us believe and to define ourselves by certain behaviors by certain addictions, if you could call them Mm. that. And when it happens, it actually blurs our sense of objectivity. And if you buy the book, Truth Doesn't Have a Side and Read It, I actually defined it as conformational intelligence. Mm. And conformational intelligence is is the phenomenon whereby your way of thinking, your intelligence, the cast of your mind, your mentality, the perception of your environment and interpretation of your environment is controlled by the expectations, traditions, cultures and norms of society without you even knowing it. Interesting. So you become embedded in a certain cast of the mind and when objective evidence is provided to you to disprove the cast of your mind, you reject it, you deny it, you ridicule it. If that evidence persists, you become emotional and tribal. 
So confirmational intelligence makes you to engage in cognitive dissonance. Yes. And also it dampens and impedes your emotional IQ. That's so interesting because uh, – hmm, go ahead. Yeah. So in my book, if you read it, it's um, it presents ways we can begin to move away from such a confirmational thinking. And you're beginning to see it in every aspect of our lives, in our politics, okay? In, uh, in, our, in our sense of justice. We need to move away from that and begin to liberate ourselves from all types of uh, confirmational uh, behavior. That is not what uh, America is all about. Oh, yes, it's it is. Funny, <laughs> you, have a, you have a foreign at saying this, but that was why I came to America, not to conform to expectations. Hmm, interesting. And you look at the debates, too. And Hillary Clinton was talking about recently the aggressive approach of uh, then-president-elect Donald Trump being kind of primal right behind her as she's talking. And, and it seems like this is an aggressive world. It is a, a primal world. And, and somehow, I guess, maybe uh, commercials, television, or media plays on that a bit, that you have to be this certain way. And, and as a Christian, I'm sure you'd appreciate it. You know, uh, the Lord places a pre- premium on the spirit and being in the spirit and you're a Christian man, but yet the world relies on the power of the flesh. Is that right? Yes. Thank you so much for bringing that up. You know, I am a forensic pathologist and I've performed thousands of autopsies. I discovered faith through my science. Hmm. I practice my faith in my science. I practice my science in my faith. The society would want you to believe that faith and science are antagonistic. No, they are not. They are actually synergistic. Why? Faith seeks the truth through the tenets of faith. Science also seeks the truth through scientific methods. So faith and science have a common endpoint, the truth. Hmm. There is only one truth. Yes. Truth does not have a side. It does not have a perspective. It does not have a perspective. And that one truth is God. Amen. That one truth is God. That one light is God. People may not want to acknowledge it, but science is in search of the truth. But because we are not God ourselves, we are not the truth by ourselves. Science, the more you discover, the more you realize what you do not know. Hmm. You would never have all the answers in science, but we always give science the benefit of the doubt, and we continue searching. And that's that, when mm-hmm. it comes to faith, we have a double standard. In faith, once we don't have all the answers, we turn our backs on faith, and we give up on faith. Now we must have all the answers. No, 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 no. Just like in science, you can never have all answers to all questions in faith. In fact, that is where you need your faith, okay, to realize your hopes and reaffirm the things you do not know or understand. First of all, there's a there's a preacher in you. I know it. <laughs> you know, I've I've seen you. No, I know it. I've seen you on different interviews, and and uh, I'm thinking just let him preach. Let him preach. You know, he's doing fine. And uh, do you, are you a, like a, you know, on the side kind of a Bible a, a teaching pastor anywhere? 
No, no, I'm not. I'm not. But if you read my book, I realized there was um, a revelation I had once. Um, I realized I've read so many books in my life, so many books of science, mm. hundreds. But I realized I had not read the single book that matters most to me, which is the Bible. Mm. And what I did about five, six years ago was to read at least a verse of the Bible every morning. And I'm deeply grateful and thankful that I did that because I discovered that all the answers you need to live a joyful, fulfilling, productive life are in the Bible. Uh, the Bible just by itself is a handiwork of God. I see it as a miracle. Um, so people have asked me, what made me do what I did? Where did I get this strength from? Hmm. And a simple answer to that is my faith. And I'm sure people are surprised by that because they think, you know, again, people honor the flesh in America and also the brain power. And people kind of think, hey, if I'm smart, you have like what eight degrees or something yeah. like that. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, but you don't go that direction and say, hey, it's all me. You say, I don't know anything. It all comes from a greater source. It comes from the Lord. And you let everybody know that. And I think that since we love to, to grandstand, whether it be in sports or also the brain power, and yet you're saying, no, 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 not me, him. Yes, uh, because uh, I, I, I have a unique perspective. I perform autopsies every morning. Hmm. So people dress up nicely to go to nice offices, well-conditioned, <laughs> beautiful offices. I dress up in the morning to go to the morgue to perform autopsies to encounter mankind at its worst, at its lowest, death. That's right. So in encountering and studying death, I discovered that like Solomon said, vanity upon vanity, all is vanity. Mm -hmm. That as a human being, you came into this world alone, and you would leave alone. Mm -hmm. When each and every one of us is born, it's a very seemingly innocuous event. No, no birth is announced to the world. You come in quietly, sometimes in, during the day, sometimes at night, in a room. That is how you would also leave, very innocuously, hmm. die on a bed alone, no matter who you are. And then I've seen decomposed human bodies, and I've realized that there is nothing to this our life. It, life should not be about you as an individual. There is more to the physical realm than we see. So studying death has brought me to my knees in humility. Hmm. I think about my death every day because in living we die. Death is part of who we are. Part of the package. Yes, but most of us want to deny it, to push it aside. No, you're going to die someday. 
The question is, how are you going to die? You're going to die a peaceful death, knowing that you have encountered God and walked with God in your journey of life. And do you see that when you see people not completely dead? Of course, that's where you usually see people completely dead. But you ever notice when people just before they die, have you ever looked into their eyes and, and know that they're seeing something greater if they're a Christian than, than what's around here? Because I, you hear about things like that. Actually, before I came to the United States, I worked as a physician, an emergency room physician. Uh, and I did that. I also worked as a, a, a hospitalist. I did that for about five years. Okay. And I encountered several hundreds, if not over 1,000 people die. Mm. And, you know, many people at the time of death are not prepared. And they are usually gripped by fear. Fear of the unknown. They are not prepared. And it reminds me of the parable of the virgins. Okay, who went for a, a wedding feast. They were waiting for the bridegroom. Some had oil in their lanterns. Others did not have oil. They were not prepared. So I believe we should always look at life from the perspective of a Christ-like person. Life is only a journey. Hmm. It's a gift given to you by the Almighty. A gift of light. A gift of light. Handle that gift with every humility, just like Christ yes. would handle it. And give it your best. Don't make it about yourself. Make it about the common good. Like Ephesians tells us that we all are one spirit, one hope, one body, one joy, one happiness. We all are one family of mankind bound together by the bond of peace and the bond of love of God. When you make that your focus in life, to always be the sacrificial lamb, to always keep like Christ gave us, you would never go home hungry. Hmm. And you would never be a poor person. And do you feel that people, amen, people maybe they think, you know, the best looking person wins, the one who throws the hardest punch wins. Uh, the best looking person, things like that. And, and then you see these, you know, my dad growing up, he'd say, look what, look what she looks like right now on the screen. Or look at that. In Arnold Schwarzenegger just the other day, I said, oh my goodness, this man, you know, you can't hold on to it. And, uh, it just, you know, happens like that. But, um, now from Nigeria, you had $250 in your pocket and you go through a period where you were in a hotel. There were drugs all around, prostitutes and so forth. And you were just, I think this really kind of made your faith stronger. You were praying and crying and praying and pressing into the Lord, but it changed your life. And no matter what happened after that, of course, you, know, you became uh, really devout. You saw God being faithful in your life, of course. Can you talk about that? No, you know, as a Christian, in fact, the stronger your faith, the stronger the doubts 
It's okay to have doubts, to have questions. Just like Mother Mary, remember when Angel Gabriel came to her announcing the birth of Jesus. She had questions. She said to the angel, Angel Gabriel, how come would I conceive a child but I've not been with a man? But when the angel said the Holy Spirit will come upon you, what did she say? She said, may it be done unto me according to thy word. Mm -hmm. I'm a lonely handmaid of yours. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, Christ was praying. And he said, Lord, may this be taken away from me. May this cup be taken away from me. But not my will. May thy will be done. Mm -hmm. So I've discovered that at those times of your life where you think you are at your lowest, that you are at the darkest time of your life, my advice to every Christian is to be at peace. Yes, shalom. Do not be afraid. That was the, those were the first words of Christ to the women when, she, when he resurrected. The first words of Christ when he met the apostles, do not be afraid. Peace be unto you. No matter how difficult it could be as a fellow of Christ, if you profess and confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior, Dr. Amalu, I want to ask you something. Uh, you, first of all, you deserve an am, amen to that. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, I want to say as a neuropathologist, you ever see people on the on the table there and say, I don't think that person had a very good life. I mean, could you tell if it's, you know, it, sometimes life could be road hard for, for a person, but can you tell that even in, in death if uh, they had some difficulty? Yes. Let, let, let me, uh, I, I began to notice this about, about 16 years ago. Okay. The first time I noticed it, it was a, a woman, a very good Christian woman. She was in her 60s. She was shot and killed by her jealous husband mm. who wanted to control her. So when the, when the children called the cops, the cops came and the same husband started shooting at the cops and they shot and killed her. So that morning, I'm, I'm sorry for the graphic. That's okay. That morning I came to work and a woman was lying on my autopsy table and a man also was lying next to her on, on another table. I talked to my patients because he is the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead. That's right. There is life after our sojourn on earth well the whole thing you go ahead yeah so that day that was the first time i noticed it. the christian woman on the autopsy table her body looked so beautiful hmm. and she looked so much at peace even her face her face looked like she was made up but when i turned to the man what I saw did not give me peace. Mm. I turned away. So yes, even in death, even when people are passing through death, 
you can tell those who are spiritually prepared from those who are not. That's interesting. You know, very interesting. Go ahead. You have another comment. And, and the, the only difference you will see, you will see the image of fear in those who are not prepared. But those who are prepared, who know that it is not by my might or my strength, we all have seen and fallen short of the glory of God. Amen. It is by the love and mercy of God that we are who we are. And we embrace that. In fact, I don't like using the word death. Because death means an end unto itself. It's not, a, it's not death, it's a transition. You are going home. Now, how did that happen for you? Your love for, not your love for death necessarily, but of course, if you want to put it that way, that's fine. But you look at television, they try to wipe death. Uh, such and such, an illustrious actor, 50 years and so forth, died today. And the Yankees won, and they do, and they try to shove it under the rug real quick, though. You're saying, hey, not so fast. Let, let's talk about death for a little bit. Now, how did, how did you become passionate about uh, to be a neuropathologist? Well, if you read my book, you notice that at a very young age of my life, I discovered that successes are not guaranteed in life. Uh, Christ did not guarantee success. But if you become, if you experience one or two successes in your life, you may be another Bill Gates. <laughs> <laughs> Just one, Microsoft. <laughs> what is guaranteed in life is failure. Hmm. You're bound to fail not just once, multiple times. <laughs> Shortcomings, inadequacies, insufficiencies are guaranteed. But what will make you successful is your ability to recognize your failures, embrace your failures, and turn them around into successes. And how do you feel about that? I mean, the fact that you are, you know, God's messenger, truth be told, to tell the NFL about uh, head concussions, your work on CTE, of course, and that uh, it's dangerous. You know, memo to everybody who gets punched and the, you got the Mayweather-McGregor fight coming up uh, tomorrow night and people can't wait for someone to get a concussion or knocked out or something like that. And so, you know, why, can I ask you something? Not only... I want you to talk about, of course, the dangers of it, of, of contact sports, but why, as primal human beings, do we get so interested? What do we get out of it? Is there some sort of visceral reaction when we see someone get punched in the head that somehow transmits over, almost like a, I don't want to say like a sexual impulse, but some sort of, in the brain, something happens when we see someone else get hit? Well, it's not of God. It's, it's a form of idolatry, actually. Hmm. It's not of God. Do unto others what you want to be done unto yourself. And God gave us the gift of life, like the parable of the master and his servants and the talents. You must protect that gift. It's your duty as a Christian to protect the gift of life and create value from it. The ways of the world are far away from the ways of God as the heavens are far away from the earth. So in our journeys, we must always seek the truth. 
and we should not follow corporations like zombies because corporations in the free capital economy mm. the free market have only one objective and that objective is to make money at all costs <laughs> so the nfl is a corporation just like every other legitimate corporation google tesla microsoft mm. so they have every right to make money but people should realize that the product the NFL sells is football and the service they provide is entertainment. The NFL is not there to provide health care, medical research. The NFL is not there to care about you as an individual. The NFL doesn't care for any of us as individuals. What they care for is that we remain fans of the NFL and give them money so that they can turn our profits at the end of the year. Yeah, we become hooked on Sundays and every Saturday and Sunday. Thank you, but that is the truth. Hmm. The NFL doesn't care whether we are people of God or not. That is not their business. That is not the, the service they provide. So this is not about the NFL. This is about each and every one of us. And again... Like what? Like I wrote in my book, really, as a Christian, this is about Christians. Hmm. I can't speak for anyone else. This is about Christians. And like I said in my book, the basic and fundamental question you ask yourself, do you love football more than you love God? Because your fellow human being, your child, is the image of God. Your child is God. Like we say in Africa, the God you see is the God in your neighbor. That's right. God is not going to come from heaven to show you his face. My neighbor is my God because the spirit of God lives in my neighbor who is made in the image of of God. Yes, it's all contrary. I mean, it's it's amazing when you think about it. What it's the energizing of the flesh is what it is. Energizing of the flesh, and that's what it is. That um, you know, when you look at Tim Tebow, some people said, "Oh, maybe he wasn't the best quarterback," but I think it was something more. I think that when people saw him get on his knees, that goes contrary to people celebrating self. And self-glorification, you know, I think I think he had problems with that. But um, so you're, you're always a happy person. Uh, you see all the different interviews and always with a smile. And Will Smith, who played you in the movie Concussion, always says that you're just a, a lovely person. So do you ever take offense when people say things like, uh, you know, what, you wake up in a morgue or things like that? I mean, you, you have I'm just kidding, but you have um, you have music going on. Apparently, I understand when you're in the I mean, how does that happen where it becomes so morbid? People can't face it. But yet you're kind of celebrating doing your thing with music. And um, how do you look at death differently than, than let's just say that we do? Because what I have done, I see death as life, to be honest you live to die and we die to live hmm. so to me it is no longer morbid because like I have said in my journey of faith I have so many questions and I can't have answers to my questions until I see the face of God 
Okay, so I, I celebrate death because it is a step to a greater attainment. For example, the night before my father died at the age of 91 in 2014, he was 91, he said to my brother who was sleeping in his room with him, that you know, I have led a good life. I have gone into heart failure. I think it's time for me now that if I do not want to pass on, I may become I may become guilty of greed. I'm becoming greedy for life and of life. Okay. So um and he said to my, my brother that when he dies, please, we should not mourn. We should celebrate his life. And during his funeral, there should be light everywhere. People should dress in white, no black colors. That he wants it to be a celebration of life. That he is not dying. He is attaining a greater glory. He is going home. That is how I see death. Yes. Um, but what happens is that when there is sudden and unexpected death, it could be painful. Okay. Um, and that is when we need to acknowledge our limitations as human beings. We don't have all the answers. And I'm sure you look at the human body differently, too. When you hear about, I mean, there was a journalist in the, in the news the other day that uh, from um, Denmark or something like that, and, and uh, someone cut off different parts of her body, and it was just a torso. I mean, I, are you, how do you not respond, I guess, emotionally when you see all the crazy things that are done to the human body? Not just we, what we do in contact sports, but what other people can do to it. And does it feel just like a shell when you look at it in the end? Is it just... No, it, it doesn't. I actually uh, treat dead bodies, bodies with the utmost dignity. Hmm. Um, because it's a human body. And my pastor once told me that, look, Bennett, what you do is not glamorous, but you're restoring the dignity of your fellow human beings. So I... In, in, in discovering why and how people die, I help to restore the dignity of that person and also to restore the dignity of the family and the dignity of all of us. Yes. So if, if somebody takes away somebody's dignity by cutting her or him up, torturing her, mutilating the body, it is my duty to restore that dignity by putting the body together, applying methods of science and the tenets of my faith to my work to get to the truth. That one truth. Mm -hmm. And with us right now is Dr. Bennett Amalu, and he's the author of the book Truth Doesn't Have a Side, My Alarming Discovery About the Danger of Contact Sports. And, you know, 
you're so well known to be quite frank and of course that movie was done well i think so i think so when pe people who know sports they know you and you were on all kinds of programs from you know abc the today show you name it but you know you just as well talk about jesus which is really amazing because you know you could say hey i discovered this or you know i'm the one who but um i noticed that you throw in in the interviews that you do you say hey i'm a christian and you begin to witness to people, even though that they want to talk more about the NFL and about concussions and things like that. But I notice that you're very good about that. You get you you're able to witness to people. You say, "Hey, God bless you," and God loves you. And uh, I, I notice that you do that. Uh, let, let me share an experience with you. I had once when I was in uh, college. So there was this girl. She was from South Korea. She believed she was an atheist. So one day I said to her, you don't believe in God. She said, oh no, she doesn't believe in God. But I said, who is the God you don't believe in? She said, oh, you're God. So I said, so you believe in God, just that you've chosen not to recognize him, right? She started laughing. So I spent this semester, we had classes together at the end. One day we were having lunch. She said to me, Bennett, I think I want to learn more about this, your God. I said, oh, really? I almost spilled my water. <laughs> And she said, you know, over these past three months, you don't put God at my face. You don't have a better than thou attitude. You never spoke down on me. But in just interacting with you, you manifest this your faith and this your God in everything you do in your life. We're doing homework together. Somebody upsets you. I ask you, why aren't you responding? It's like, ah, I don't want to bother. I forgive him. I, I don't need you. Mm -hmm. Everything I do. So, so I think when you surrender yourself to the Spirit of God and let God permeate your entire being, open up every recess of your life to Him. He will come in and cleanse you and actually lift off the bodies of this world, your entanglements with the conformations of this world. And as a doctor, of course, which you are, are you amazed that when people come to Christ and thy great physician begins to do a work? And uh, I mean, when I came to the Lord, I felt like a laser beam all around my eyes and all around my heart. And I felt like like something was happening here with the spirit of God. And um, I think doctors, if they're not a believer in Jesus, they, they see the, his work. And I'm sure that I'm sure the Lord witnesses to many doctors with the fact that uh, the work that he can do and, and doctors can say, well, I don't know how that happened. How is that person cured? Only, only it must have been God. You know, let, let's take the brain, for example. The human brain has about 200 billion cells. It's about 60 to 80 percent water. Hmm. And. Just that brain, I'm talking to you, everything we do is in that brain. Mankind has not been able to reproduce that brain. Okay? It's not a coincidence. It's not evolution. I think it's the extreme of arrogance for any human being to dismiss the existence of some supreme being. And 
I've, 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 been, I've, I've been going to school for over 22 years of my life. Okay? I've studied business. I've studied public health. I've studied medicine. I've studied pathology. Name it. I've studied medical management. <laughs> the more I study, the more humble I become. And the more I submit myself to the grace of God. Amen. Amen. God manifests himself through knowledge, through science, because God himself is knowledge. Knowledge is enlightening because God is knowledge. So when somebody like Bill Gates or Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk creates something new, that creation of a software is a manifestation of God. Mm -hmm. Well, I celebrated today. I heard that the Whole Foods... Uh, foods are going to be lower because of Jeff Bezos. <laughs> uh, because of the, I was happy about that. He's going to lower the prices because it gets kind of expensive. But you know, it's like the immortality that we were talking about. You know, actors, actresses. You got the Botox, and they try to hold on to that face. But is it not fighting also against God? Rebellion, contact sports, trying to hold on to something in, in the flesh, and then. It's, I mean, sure, you see this before it actually happens, but then, you know, you get these uh, sports stars and they're hobbling around and their knees are shot, their, their hips are gone, but they, they thought they could have this forever. I can have this moment forever. And you have all these fans just clapping and then all of a sudden they're limping in pain at home. There's no fans to go ahead and, and you know, hi, you know, applaud them and all that. Um, you can't hold on to it. So is it better for people to walk away? I, I know people probably put up a fight and they hear your warning. And I have to say that you're world renowned for the discovery, of course, that uh, of CTE and uh, and the concussions. But uh, you put the warning out there just like the Lord puts the warning out that everybody could come and receive mercy and forgiveness. And he puts it right out there. If you want mercy, there you are. There's Jesus. And you say to people, here's the warning if you want to hold on to your life and, you know, don't play contact sports. And uh, that's still that fight within the human flesh. They say, well, thank you, doctor, and uh, no thank you. Well, you know, what, what I, what, where my focus is actually is the children. Before because it happens. I, mm -hmm. I, I believe my, the Gospel of Matthew tells us that, that children are very precious in the eyes of God. Um, whenever we see a harmful factor, we protect the children from such harmful factors. So as Christians, my middle name is If I Can Do. Life is the greatest gift of all. There is no reason why we would send a child to a field and make that child suffer brain damage. It is not of God. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. And it says in your book, mm-hmm. Rather than playing football, ice hockey, miss martial arts, rugby, boxing, your child should play the non-contact sports. Swimming, track and field, volleyball, basketball, badminton, table tennis, lawn tennis, and so many other sports. 
these words, blows to the head are not intrinsic to the play. Accidents can still occur, but you minimize the accidents as much as you could through playing safe and through regulations so that you uplift the life, the gift of life in your child. St. Telemachus, like I said in my book many, many years ago in ancient Rome, was very instrumental in the banning of the gladiatorial sport. The first time he saw a gladiatorial sport, two men fighting to kill hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. He said in the name of Christ, stop! In the name of Christ, stop! Any activity that robs us of the Spirit of God in us. Because your body is the home of the Holy Spirit. You must uplift your body. Any human activity that robs you of your humanity, your mind, your intellect, is not a healthy sport. That's right. Now, like Will Smith said in the movie Concussion, is not a godly sport. Mm-hmm. That's right. And you spend time with them, of course, and uh, I think people asked on television if you, you like this accent and all that type of thing, but you know, did you notice how he studied you and, and really kind of, uh, do you ever, you ever feel moments where you were looking in the mirror or, you know, what was? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Wait, I, I spent time with Will Smith. Will Smith is a beautiful, beautiful human being. Mm -hmm. he, he has a very godly soul. It's a, uh, He's a man of God, and by saying that, I mean he is a man who always cares for the good of other people. He's a very loving man. He treated me so well, and I was shocked. I, I really was. Mm -hmm. And I met many other actors and actresses in Hollywood. Most of them are not like Will Smith. Will Smith has a pure heart. I spent time with him. I really did. And he, he worked extremely hard to study my character, my personality, my unique traits. And I, I think he did a phenomenal job. He did. He really did. He did a phenomenal job. I think he should have at least been nominated for an Oscar. But, you know, it was political. You know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, you would have been up there. Did you go? You went to the Golden Globes, didn't you? I went to the Golden Globes. I had the honor of sitting, um, sitting with him on the same table with the Sony Motion Pictures executive. And sitting behind me was uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> nice. <laughs> hey, Leo, hey. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I had fun. I, I, I've been blessed. I can't complain. I think... Uh, I have really been blessed. Well, you you know, God used you to discover something incredible. And, you know, of course, uh, I mean, when you think about it, it says here, when Dr. Amalu discovered a connection between head injuries and cognitive dysfunction, he thought the sports industry would welcome his findings and send thank you letters or, you know, it doesn't say that part. But uh, instead, of course, we want to protect the flesh, don't we? And and how we are so energized by the flesh. But I bet if you would tell people, you know, take away the limelight, take away all that music that you hear, you know, before the big game starts and, and see these people the way that you see them, you know, at, at the end of their playing days or even during and, and what this can do. And 
it's amazing how our conscience, you know, how they're seared. We're in a junior seau or a famous football player committed suicide. And um, I don't know. I don't know what it is about the human spirit without coming to Christ, but we can be very cruel and we can want more of our pound of flesh. And that's what I'm sure you're not going to be watching Mayweather against uh, Conor McGregor. No, (laughs) but yeah, everybody's waiting for their pound of flesh. There must be something inside of people that want to fight back or punch back instead of embracing the peace you talked about. Is that competition, the ways of the world and the ways of God? And I think I think pastors really should begin to talk about these. Like in the movie Concussion, it says uh, the NFL now now owns a day of the week the church used to own. Mm-hmm. Um, if you notice, football is most popular in the Bible Belt. Yeah, that's right. And I think every pastor should please buy my book and read it. It's called Truth Doesn't Have a Side. My Alarming Discovery About the Danger of Contact Sports is by Dr. Bennett Amalu. Go ahead, doctor. Uh, if you read my brain, to give you some insight, okay, a, a totally different perspective. Sports like football are not of God. I know that there are, there are people groaning, and if you tell them, they do talk about football a lot. I hear, I hear these pastors say, when I get home, I can't wait to watch uh, the Giants against the, you know, <laughs> they, they, they say this from the pulpit without really realizing, uh, you know, the damage, and it's, it's sad. Football is like boxing. Mm-hmm. In every play of football, human beings slam their heads onto one another's heads, which you do in boxing. And they are damaging their minds. They are God-given gift. That is what makes you a human being. But I have to ask, and I'm sure people ask you this all the time, though, but, I mean, does God create these contact sports? Is it not him? I mean, is it all, I can say it, but it's a Christian show, though. Is it all of the devil as far as anything that has to do with uh, head concussions and, and contact because it seems like, you know, these are games that have been around a long time. People have a hard time resolving that fact. But it's like when Jesus Christ came to the Israelites, he was announcing and preaching the good news. And people chose to ignore because they were embedded in their old ways. Now, I, I, I don't like the, the uh, analogy of the devil creating this or that. No, human beings created it. Human beings who chose to move away from the glory of God and become gods unto themselves and make money their sole and primary objective. Okay? And promote such thoughts, such ways of life to people. They sell it, they market it, and make people become addicted to a a certain type of um, emotionality. Okay? So my advice would be, think about it. Mm -hmm. Buy Buy my book, think about it, and pray. Let the Spirit of God... Open yourself up and ask the Spirit to guide you. Yes. Amen. That is my prayer. And that is, if you notice, I don't call anybody names. Mm -hmm. My prayer is 
Lord God Almighty, may we please stop harming our children. Yes. Dr. Amalu, I had I had very low SAT scores, so I'm going to ask that you pronounce uh, chronic, uh, traumatic, and what's that last word there? Chronic, <laughs> traumatic, encephalopathy. Yes, and it has to do with concussions you found in brain tissue and uh, CTE. Were you going to call it something else? I bet nobody's asked you that. Were you? Would you oh, call yes, it? Yes, yes. If you read the book, that that was a story on how we came about the name CTE. Mm-hmm. What happened was. I wanted to give it a name that was that sounded intellectually sophisticated. Okay. So that anybody who says it, it will make that person sound smarter. Okay. And that person is more likely to say it again. You know, have some utility for the person who says it. But for those who cannot say it, would have a good acronym, CTE. Then two. I wanted something that was generic, yet specific, because chronic traumatic encephalopathy doesn't really mean anything. It simply means a bad brain associated with trauma. Hmm. So that if somebody proved my hypothesis wrong, down the road, I would have some wiggle room to exit. Yeah. <laughs> I just said it was a bad brain. I didn't know what it meant. Uh. Okay? Now, the third one was... In, in the American judicial system, there's what is called the Dobbert, D-A-U-B-E-R-T, Dobbert Standard. And the Dobbert Standard states that you cannot use any medical evidence in the court of law as legal evidence if it's not something that is generally established and if it's not something that, uh, and if it's something that is novel or new. It needs to have precedence. So the Dobbert standard would not let me give it any name I wanted, like dementia footballity mm-hmm. or Bennett or Malo's disease or Mike Webster's disease. Because we recognize that this disease was an occupational disease and in a matter of time it would end up in the court of law. Which it did. Yes, it did. So I went back to the literature and looked for names or terminologies that were used in the literature to refer to brain damage. I came up with about 37. So chronic traumatic encephalopathy was a very easy one for me to pick. So I picked it and and gave this disease I saw in Mike Webster's name the name chronic traumatic encephalopathy. And in less than 20 years, it's become widely and generally used. It is. Everybody now knows what CTE is. So that was a very big success. Well, it sure was. I mean, sometimes you look at James Taylor, who is a famous guitar player. He purposely made sure that the the guitar chords were so complicated that nobody else could duplicate it. Now, you could have done that. You could have made it impossible for these uh, television announcers on these shows to pronounce. Boy, they would feel silly. But CTE, they feel like, I got this. I thought maybe CTE because, uh, you know, you're kind of getting back NFL, NHL, MLB. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding when you say that. But the book, <laughs> Truth Doesn't Have a Side, My Alarming Discovery About the Danger of Contact Sports, at Dr. Bennett Amalo. So just two questions left. I want to ask you, though, um, if you don't mind, what's the happiest thing about being not only a doctor but, you know, a neuropathologist? Uh, and what's the saddest thing about it? The happiest thing is that it, it helps me to 
reaffirm my faith. Hmm. Uh, looking at the brain, it's such um, a deep experience. You're studying the functioning of the human brain. So that helps me rediscover my faith each and every time I examine a brain, which I'm deeply thankful for. It has enriched my life. It has made my life worth living. I'm deeply, deeply thankful for that. Now, the saddest thing about being a neuropathologist was that it enabled me to examine Mike Webster's brain. (laughs) Yeah. And in doing so, the innocence of my life was stolen from me. I lost my innocence. I, I really wanted to live a simple life, enjoy the simple things of life, die a simple death, live my life unnoticed. That was my aspiration. But that aspiration was taken away from me. Um, so that that is the the saddest part of it all. I, it exposed me to man's inhumanity. It exposed me to mankind's wickedness. Mm-hmm. And all types of emotions, jealousy, envy, all types. It's it's very dark. I, mm-hmm. I was exposed to that darkness of of our times. But you know, the light of Christ keeps on leading me. And my prayer always is that whatever would lead me away from God, Lord God Almighty, please take away that thing from me. Yes. Amen. You look at the warning of Jesus. He says everybody can come, everyone, get a spiritual bath, and all you have to do is you know, believe in the sacrifice of Christ, the blood, and they responded. Crucify him, crucify him. I mean, it's like, you know, hey, everybody, I discovered something, you know, CTE, and, and this is really bad, and you'll, you'll live longer, not just till 42, but, you know, and it's that same type of, you know, thing. But uh, you've been a great guest. The Truth Doesn't Have a Sign explores the blazing controversy surrounding CTE and what it means for us as parents, athletes, and sports fans. And Dr. Amalu shares his story. And it's right here. Truth Doesn't Have a Side. My alarming discovery about the danger of contact sports. If I had more time, I would talk about how when I was six, I was dropped in a swimming pool. My head hit it. And just uh, even two weeks ago, I was in the gynecologist's office and my head actually hit the floor and I, and I fainted. And they hurt it all the way from outside and I didn't feel any pain at all when I woke up and I thought you've got to be kidding me they said no we heard like a noggin hit that floor and uh, you know I thought well I don't feel any pain but uh, anyhow (laughs) you need to be careful okay yeah yeah, you know, the the person who came in, the, the EMT, the, I don't know why he said this. He said to me, you know, I have a feeling that you've had your head hit a few times. And I don't know how he knew it, but he did. He looked into my eyes and he said yeah. that. When you suffer one concussion, it increases your risk of suffering subsequent concussions. Yeah. Well, there goes my SAT score. No wonder. But um, you've been. <laughs> that's the reason. That's the reason. Truth doesn't have a sign, Dr. Bennett Amatlu. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the program. God bless you.